Welcome to this week's episode of Tell Me More, where we talk about the Lagos and uh, some other <laughs> tangential issues that go with it. Um, it's it's good to take a deep dive and be reminded that, that what we believe really does matter in this Christmas season. And it's not uh, peripheral and it's not really optional. And so that's where we go today. And we're grateful for our listeners and we hope you enjoy it. Here we are. We are here. We are here. Wasn't that a thing? <laughs> that is a thing. You are here? We are that's, here? That's, that's the you typical New Year sermon mm-hmm. kickoff, which we'll, oh, we'll talk okay. about Oh, okay. I don't week. know. All right. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Tell Me More. That's this week. Yes. <laughs> We're talking about the sermon from yesterday. We are. That's mm-hmm. like, it was good. I think you did your joke of the year yesterday. Oh, my gosh. Oh, is that right? Tell me more. Yeah. I think the, you know, when you fall asleep out there. Oh, it was pretty fall asleep. Well, I'm doing, that was, I think, yeah. that was joke I, I can fall asleep anywhere. I can sleep out there with y'all, just like y'all do. Just like y'all do. <laughs> so I think, not that I've been evaluating or ranking your jokes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank but if you were. But if I were. That one take the I think that one. Cake. And all the way to December and I finally hit it. Hit one. <laughs> yeah, you only have one left. <laughs> you hit a lot. That's just, this is the Yeah. Point. I got it. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. You don't want to peak too early in the year. No. You know what I mean? No. You don't want that. Yeah. That's the Cowboys. It's a finale. You don't want to peak too early. You want to, you want to, yeah. you want to have momentum, crescendo. Yeah. So, uh, that may be too like the Rangers. You know? so many like people. the Rangers. Yeah, like the Rangers. Okay. Hello to those watching. I'm from Franklin, Texas, and they were in the state championships this past week. Again, y'all have been in them every year. year in a row. Wow. After zero years in a yeah. row. I mean, okay. they had never been before, but they lost. Oh. To what oh. my dad said was a better team. Oh. So that's mm. always better, you know, okay. to we'll do that. trust but. your dad is the Franklin yeah. sports expert. What are the Franklin, could, what, firefighters? Franklin Pirates? Franklin Bulldogs? How many no. teams do you know who are the firefighters? I don't know. I, just <laughs> I can't name one. <laughs> the Franklin. Lions. They're just the Lions. Lions. Sorry, okay. I said it like I'm from Franklin. What was the your Lions. high school mascot? Uh, yellow Jackets. What about you? The Liberators. <laughs> Now that what? is awesome right there, buddy. Okay, my husband, Amarillo, uh, the Golden Sandstorm. Okay. Sandies. Go Sandies. Ooh, not, I think they've got to be. Also, while not we're on mascots. Nats. Not the Sand No, Nats. no. Sandstorm. That's, that's in Georgia. Powerful. Okay, got it. Uh, I went to Stephen F. Austin. Lumberjacks. Lumberjacks. One mm. of only two universities in the United States that have yeah. Lumberjacks. My undergrad was the Bearcats. Okay. Yeah. And then finally I went to Baylor for grads when we got a decent mascot. Yeah, just there a normal, you, you know, yeah, bear. Yeah. What's, what's UAB? UAB are the Blazers. Really? Mm-hmm. Like the yeah. trailblazers? Uh, are they just like the... lightning, you know? Oh, and, not like a sports coat? Yeah, lightning. Not like, a, not like a blazer. Yeah. Right? <laughs> not very intimidating. <laughs> okay. Luke could... says we could. We should talk about Jesus. Well, I not... could talk about mascots all day. Right. Missouri's got a lot of weird ones. Yeah. So. Oh, well, another time. Another right. time. Yeah, I'd like that very much. Well, oh, uh, I want to say hello to those listening, obviously kind of our OG crew, but also to those that have stumbled upon us hello. and are now watching us, wow. kind of our newer mm-hmm. crowd. So, mm-hmm. hi, this is what we look like. <laughs> <laughs> Without makeup, I mean, this is just a. Well, I mean, I got a little, yeah. M- m- but it is kind of, a, of us. kind of a Monday morning yeah. two look. Out of three. Kind of a Monday morning two look. Out of not three a, without makeup. Yeah, yeah, it's good. So, <laughs> so but we're. The easy text. We're talking about an the easy text today. So I don't even know if there's Why more. Elephants can swim. Elephants can drown. I don't know <laughs> if there's more to be told when you talk about John 1. Like, what else is there? I think. I'm just kidding. Every clear. word mm, can be unpacked. And mm, so look, maybe we should do a little mm, bit of that. Mm, yeah. Can I say one idea. thing about John 1 while we, I said this earlier, it's fascinating to me, not in a bad way, but while we're talking about tell me more, the kind of phrase when we talk about John 1, especially talking about Jesus is, um, and I have it open just because. It's the Bible. We're talking about it. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. But in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And Mm -hmm. then people will say, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Mm -hmm. 
and they're like, got it, John 1. And I want to point out to those watching and listening that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us is verse 14. Mm -hmm. So you go from verse 1 to 14, Mm -hmm. and if you're not careful, Mm -hmm. you have skipped Mm -hmm. one of the most dense and theologically rich treaties Mm -hmm. on the incarnation Mm -hmm. and who God is and who Jesus is by not maybe going back and reading Mm-hmm. John John. Mm-hmm. So if Katie you're, Hodges, ladies and gentlemen, I just, I mean, I'll read a little bit of it. It is, it is dense, and it's not. I mean, you read five verses of it on Sunday, mm-hmm. and it's kind of clunky, but mm-hmm. I won't read all of it. But I mean, he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that had been made. Mm-hmm. Why didn't he, Why didn't he just say nothing was made? Period. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We could talk about it. <laughs> but and then it gets into light and darkness, and there was a man sent from God. His mm-hmm. name was John. He mm-hmm. came as a witness. Da, da, da. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful kind of model mm-hmm. for us. So anyway, mm-hmm. and then that's only to verse seven. Mm-hmm. So you can go read more if you want to. Mm-hmm. But we encourage that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So beautiful kind of bookends on that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. don't miss the middle. I'd say that. Mm-hmm. But for today, we're not even talking about really the fact that he was made flesh no, and dwelt among us. We talked that's, about a word. Yeah, that's next, that's week. next week, we're and people know that, opening. and that's where Christmas is, but we're not even getting to that. That's we're right. starting with the word. That's right. And I, I don't want to mm-hmm. cut that short, so mm-hmm. what do you want to say about it? I'm not, I don't mean to take your... <laughs> no, I mean, there's a lot to there say is. about that one word, That's right. the word. That's right. Well, you know, it's funny, every year at Christmas, Easter, you know, as a preacher, as I said Sunday morning... It, it just occurred to me as I was studying last week, this is my 40th Christmas to lead a church through the Christmas season. So, so 1983 1983 was your started. first. Mm-hmm. And, uh, How about that? And so um, I, I, I went back and just looked at all the different ways that I've chosen to do it, at least in terms of preaching. And um, and I've done I've done everything I could think of, maybe not everything you could think of. Okay, <laughs> but, uh, but and the, you have all those. I mean, you can pull a, you can pull a folder. I do. Advent nineteen ninety three. I do something like that. Nineteen eighty three. Yeah, I mean, you've it got it all. Eighty four, I think. So count that one though. Makes oh right, sense then this would be number forty. But uh, yeah. but yeah, I have all of my Advent sermons that I've ever preached for forty years. I do, and uh, so um, wow. but um, anyway. Um, but, you know, and as I was thinking about it, particularly in the culture I'm in now, you know, it's, it is easy to kind of lighten the message a little bit at Christmas time, you know, mm-hmm. and almost mm-hmm. turn the sermon series into kind of a Hallmark movie kind of thing, you know, to where people can just kind of enjoy feel it. feel good. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah. because it is a, it's a sweet time of year. Sing but, the carols, feel yes, good about yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. You know. We could, that's a ditch. We could. On side, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But I just felt compelled this year to go as deep as maybe as I ever have. I, I, one year, I did a series here on the, the cosmic Christ. We used Colossians primarily as our text. Mm-hmm. And um, and back then, and Barry was the minister of music back then. I remember how he teased me. We were, you know, in July or sometime there. We were talking about, I did I did things differently back then, but I was giving him kind of my plans and, and in those days, he wrote a lot of musicals and we had a lot of kind of fun things that we did at Christmas. It was very interesting. But anyway, he, um, uh, I mean, in the sanctuary, I don't mean that we don't do fun things now, but I mean, we did these kind of really, you know, like we had a time machine put over the baptistry one time, or we had uh, yeah, more, those kinds more of More silly than what yes, we do now. correct, right. in the sanctuary. Right, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so Barry came back to me and he said, what exactly do you want me to do with the cosmic Christ? <laughs> You know, yes. so yeah. I said, and I'll never forget, I said to him, 
deal with it. That's what we all have to do. <laughs> that's who he is. But hmm. anyway. it's good to know that y'all's relationship goes, you know, <laughs> yeah, way back way in back. terms of the honesty <laughs> right. and straightforwardness. So, yeah. Um, but the incarnation, the the reality of the incarnation, um, we've been, it's been building to me. But this Sunday, this past Sunday, which was yesterday, um, I wanted us to pause and reflect on just the eternal Son of God. Mm. And uh, we were talking a little bit beforehand, you know, not every New Testament theologian believes in the eternal sonship of the Son of God. The believe Me, yeah, evangelical meaning, meaning Christians, the, they believe in the Trinity and believe in God, mm -hmm. His Spirit, and His Word are eternal. And so there are some theologians who would argue that um, the Word became Son at the Incarnation. So that's usually called incarnational sonship. So it's not a denial of the eternity of the second member of the person of the Trinity. But in the, the full only became the son. Correct. At a specific it's more point of a relational time. conversation in in eternity. So when you talk sense. about some theologians, are those like ones that we oh, yeah, would study sure. and follow? Yes, they're Repu yes, reputable. I mean, throughout you know history, I mean? there yeah. have been reputable. They're not like a oh no, they're not obscure. Left field, yeah, no, no, yeah, that's what I'm trying no, to say. They're, they're not thoughtful. an entirely. We wouldn't label this heresy. No, no, no. It's just it's more just of a, it's a relational land. conversation mm -hmm. within the context of the Trinity. Um, and so I happen to land on the eternal sonship side, and, um, and, and I'm in good company. But, uh, but just, I just want to point out that some people, when you, when you talk about the Trinity— one And when you reasons, talk about the Logos, yeah, which when, is what we're talking sure, about. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and when it comes to sharing the gospel with some, uh, some people, particularly some world religions— it's advantageous to actually talk about it that way. Like, for example, if you want to share the gospel with a Muslim, a, 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 an, and I mean a, a real Orthodox Muslim, you know, yep. we have a lot of Practicing. folk Islamic people, just like we have folk Christians. Mm -hmm. Yes. But, but I'm talking about someone who really embraces Islam as the way of life. It is blasphemous to make the claim that God has a son, that, that, right. that would imply that he has a wife which they would assume is Mary. So you're basically implying <laughs> that God stooped low enough to have a physical relationship with a, a human being. And that, that's, that's just blasphemous in terms of, of their understanding. So one pathway of having a conversation um, with a Muslim about uh, who Jesus ultimately is, is you can just ask the question, do you believe that God is eternal? Which, of course, Allah is what they would say. But, but those in America have enough... Um, sensitivity to understand we'll use the word God and they would use the word Allah. But the typical Muslim would say, well, of course. And if you say, well, do you believe God's word is eternal? Well, of course. Do you believe God's spirit is eternal? Well, of course. And that's a bridge to say, mm -hmm. well, guess what? So do I. <laughs> you know. Whereas if you begin with the eternal sonship of, of the Son them. of God, yeah, that, that almost ends the conversation immediately. So, But even with that mm -hmm. said, I still hold to the eternal sonship of the Son of God, I, I do believe it's it's more clearly taught in the New Testament, from my perspective. It's affirmed in the creeds. You know, the Nicene Creed affirms the eternal sonship of the second member of the Trinity. He's eternally begotten, not made, of the same essence, homoousios in Greek, not homoi, not of a similar essence, but Which, same For those watching essence. at home, if you've yeah. ever used the expression, doesn't make one iota's difference. <laughs> right. It's actually yeah. in reference to those two Greek words. Mm -hmm. Homo, usias is same substance. 
Omoy Usias, which adds that iota, is similar mm -hmm. substance. So if you've ever said not an iota's difference, right. you're actually referencing a the theological Complex conversation Greek. from yeah. the Nicene Creed. AD 325, yep. you take it all the way back to that conversation, which we believe that, that St. Nicholas actually attended, um, but nevertheless, we don't have to get off of it. It is Christmas. Um, actually, know? yeah, why don't we take you know, a little I mean, moment right there? Saint so there was there. a council. St. Nicholas, was theologically there. a student. Long ago, there was a council. Not Arian. Yeah. There was a saint, which mm -hmm. I mean, that carries some weight to mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. I guess he's, mm -hmm. he was sainted later, right? Died. But I mean, yeah, he yeah. was not just some dude. No, he's a bishop. I mean, he's a, he, was he's a, a, he was a pastor. Mm -hmm. So how did he? So how did he become? You know, Santa. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. There's probably some weird German well, stuff in there. Um, yeah, I'd say definitely. Here's how it happened: it was the night before Northern Christmas European. when all through the house. I don't know if you ever heard this. Before. Not a creature. <laughs> did you know on Cape Cod, Santa arrives by boat? Stop. Does he I've really? I've been to that parade. He gets off a boat, starts the I've parade been to through. I've parade. <laughs> well, but, okay, well, but there's a lot of history. Nicholas that, was there, yeah. we believe. I mean, you're a church historian. Yeah, I just thought, so, you know, tell us about he was, Santa. He was known for caring for widows and children and orphans, and he was a, a man who, who believed in the benevolent side of Christianity, but he was also a thoughtful theologian. And at the time, the church was really debating the nature of Christ and who is the Son of God. Is, is he God in the flesh? Is he begotten of God? Is he similar to God? And uh, so you had two really powerful theologians who opposed each other in those days. One of them was named Arius, the other one was named Athanasius. And well, Arius believed that uh, the Son of God was of the similar essence of God, but he was begotten of God. So in other words, there was this idea of not, uh, eternal. not an eternal sonship. And But the Orthodox faith um, defeated Arianism, if you will. And According to legend, huh. Nicholas was there and got so frustrated and so upset with the Arian argument that according to legend, uh, at least at that particular meeting, he didn't hand out presents, but he actually slugged one of the heretics. Literally, so was, physically, physically punched a dude. Yes, and it was so, in other words, he was so passionate about what he believed and he meant, it meant so much to him. He, was, he felt like he was defending orthodoxy. Physically punching and somebody. And so, um, you know, awesome. I'm... Love it. I, I, I do. Go I, love that. I love that story. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's awesome. a, it is entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Because from him becomes that legend of giving gifts to children, primarily at least originally, yeah, sure. and caring for so people, and, and it being done secretly. You know, you could put something out, and St. Nicholas would put something at your home for you to make sure your kids were cared for. And so now you sneak away, the, out, you know? sneak away in the night. Right. right. So yeah. all of that has connections. And I think. The standard image of Santa that we see today was actually brought about by Coca-Cola. Right. I have heard this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have heard this. I learned mm -hmm. this in a mm -hmm. trivia that mm -hmm. Ryan, our Ryan Chandler put together, a trivia mm -hmm. for the oh. young adults. Yes. Yeah. So way to go, Coca-Cola. Yeah. What a That's good right. marketing campaign. Right. Well, I think it's because they thought that the, the traditional image of St. Nicholas scared the children. Too scary. <laughs> so they needed something more jolly. jollier. Yeah. Well, they... So leave it to Coca-Cola. So... It is convenient but, that he wears Coca-Cola red. I but do back like to the eternal yes. sonship. Oh, not okay. <laughs> what, what, what about that? There? We're not even sponsored by Coca-Cola. We're sponsored I wish by the we Good Day were. Cafe. The, uh, if you've never been to I, it. I, I love, so okay, just, um, so. just preference. Coca-Cola Classic is my favorite of, the, of the sodas. Too, hands down. Yeah, well, what about Mountain Dew, boss? Well, but I mean, I'm talking about traditional. The dark sodas. Traditional okay. yeah. sodas. Of the light sodas. Oh, Mountain Dew, for sure. And all of the world agrees. What about you, Luke? And then let's get back into the eternal sonship of God. I don't drink soda. Um, wow. Cool. Well, not even, <laughs> well, if you did, Luke you can't even, from, you didn't cast a up, vote. Luke grew up in Alabama. We call everything Coke in That's Alabama. true. That lets you know how prevalent Coke I do that is. too. I mean, I do that too. Everything is a So Coke. really, like, if you, had really to, if you had to vote. disgusted by my fellow Midwesterners who call it pop. No. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, we don't so, let that happen. Okay. But, so, 
So eternal, eternal sonship. So, sonship of God. Right. What does it, talk about the logos? Well, yeah. What does it mean to us? Yeah, I would just say though, just to 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 clarify, either one of those views is orthodox. As long as you, as we just talked about in at the Council of Nicaea, three twenty five, affirm the eternal nature of the second member of the Trinity. Hmm. That's the bottom line. In other words, we believe he's uncreated, eternally begotten. But in my view of how the scripture is written, I believe the Logos that's mentioned here in John 1 is actually the Son of God. Mm. And I think Paul does a really good job in Colossians 1 of making sure we all know that. He, he points to the creative agency of the Son of God, the eternal Son of God. So can you help me, me understand, and maybe the listener that's um, kind of along the track with me, what's at stake if you... To choose, and that's not right, discern, if your theological conviction is that it's more of an incarnational son of God, mm -hmm. that the Logos existed forever, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. the son didn't exist until right. the incarnation, that moment still in time. one being. But what's, it, yeah. what's um, why, would we, why would they get in a fight about it? What's so valuable about getting it right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, well, first of all. Why does it matter? Because theology, <laughs> theology matters. Yeah, okay. So start <laughs> and, there. And if you're a Christian, Getting it I right matters. Just Christology in is of supreme importance. Mm -hmm. What as, you think as, about Jesus. Absolutely. And so as he reveals himself in the New Testament, in the Gospels, and how he is addressed by the apostles in the writings in the New Testament, that relationship between father and son seems to be an eternal one. That and would that's, be the argument I And made. that is valuable. That's, in, in other words, he, he, the way Jesus portrays himself, um, I and the Father are one. Mm -hmm. The Father yeah. sent Speaking me. Speaking of the book of I'm John. I'm going to go back to the Father. He doesn't say God sent me in that moment. So the Father sent me. So there seems to be the way Jesus carries himself. He's revealing to us he's always been the Son. And so, but... It's not but, a new, new relationship. Correct. Okay. But I think the bottom line is, though, What's most important is that we believe that the God, the Son, the Word, is eternal, uncreated. And so John, you think about John. Um, John is, um, as I said Sunday morning, John is Jewish. And so now, granted, John was a fisherman. Um, so he wasn't like Paul. Well, as best we know, John didn't go to seminary and study under Gamaliel like Paul mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. However... Um, John actually lived with Jesus <laughs> for three years. So yeah, I'm going yeah. to give him credit for that <laughs> seminary training. <laughs> and, uh, and it seems like he didn't just live with Jesus. John seemed to be one of those in that inner circle with Jesus. And John has this insight from that that, um, that allows him to have these special revelations that no one else did receive. Now, Paul, mm -hmm. of course, did receive incredible revelation from God. But John writes an entire book on yeah. the Revelation. In fact, if you'd read <laughs> the know? in between, between John 1, 1 and yeah. 14, you would see John talk about himself yes. in that yes. way. Yes. Yeah. So John is a, yeah. is a There was a man sent from God theologian. whose name is John. And he is, he is going to help us understand um, the depth of who Jesus is from a different perspective, in my opinion, than the mm -hmm. other gospel writers. Mm -hmm. And so if, um, if you look at his choice, he realizes as a, as a Jew, the Logos is very important to every Jewish theologian because that's the Word of God. You know, um, as we were talking earlier, Luke, the how did the prophets mm -hmm. speak? Yeah. 
authoritatively. They did. How could they speak authoritatively? Well, the word of the Lord <laughs> came upon them. Right. Mm. So it's it's so full of theological meaning for a Jewish theologian. And John's had years now, if we think he wrote this around 80 or so, he's had years now to reflect on this and 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 develop even further insight on who Christ really is. And so um, he chooses a word, logos, that he knows is rich to the Jews. Plus, if he's going to begin his gospel within the beginning, if that's how he's going to start, well, that harkens back to Genesis 1. And what is the, the predominant method of creation, if you will, or mode of creation in Genesis 1? Well, it's the word of the Lord. God spoke. So um, it doesn't surprise me. But what's really cool for John, which he had no control over this, it's not just a Jewish term. It was the term. It was the term in the culture. Mm. I mean, the Greeks had taken they this term it. and used it. I mean, the logos to them is this underlying principle that makes everything work. I mean, it's, it's the rationality of the universe. Some some Greeks called it the soul of the universe. Um, Heraclitus said, "When I look at the cosmos, the only reason the cosmos works is because of the logos. <laughs> There's mm. got to be something mm. at work here." And that's the word they chose to embody this impersonal force that really gave credibility to the universe, if you will, and the ability for you and I as human beings to even recognize it and rationalize it and communicate about it and put it into a, a language where we actually could communicate with each other. I mean, the Greeks were, you can say what you want to about them, they, they were amazing in terms of their intellectual capabilities, mm -hmm. their Brilliant ability yeah, to mm -hmm. grasp things. In fact, their language even gave gave so much room for them to do it, which is not surprising to me that the early church adopted that language and even made extra biblical words from yeah. Greek words that helped us shape Orthodox theology. The majority of words in the English language that have been adopted from another language are Greek words. It's just so influential, you know, and even Greek thought, the Greek, the Western mindset, um, is, we're so dependent on the Greeks. And the Romans... You know, the Romans get a lot of credit just because they conquered the world in a way that, <laughs> that no one else had, I guess. But they took so many Greek concepts mm -hmm. and just Roman Latinized them, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. um, but Greek's even better than Latin, in my opinion. Greek, Greek is just robust in its ability to communicate. And so, well, here's John into the first century, and he's got the, um, the advantage of understanding there's a whole Greek conversation in his world there's a whole Hebrew conversation in his world. And now he's having a Christian conversation in his world. And he decides to choose one term that actually cuts across all three of them and that everybody could embrace and have some understanding of. And right. that's the word logos. And I love that he does that because I think sometimes when we approach a text like John 1 or really just any scripture, there are a few approaches that have historically been taken. You know, sometimes we approach scripture like it's this mine that we've got to dig theological truths mm -hmm, out of and like mm -hmm. these were you know people who were sitting down for the purpose of writing theology for theologians to study mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but i think if we think about what's going on contextually in the new testament why they're writing these things i think we need to remember that all new testament texts are missionary texts come on they're now. written mm -hmm. by people come on, on mission now. for Being people Luke. come on. on mission that's right and so amen Yes. Amen. <laughs> the this mission is, of God. It is a missional document mm -hmm. through and through, not just the gospel of John, but all of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Paul's writing mm -hmm. letters to people in churches who are trying to start churches or trying to figure out how to be a new church and reach new people. Mm -hmm. um, 
So John chooses So you're saying none word. of these are just a capsule? No, John's not trying to be like, hmm, what is the perfect theological term mm -hmm. that I can borrow? Mm -hmm. You know, these are not, this is not Karl Barth sitting down and writing right. in German trying mm -hmm. to figure mm -hmm. out how to make a perfect compound word that's mm -hmm. accurate. This is, what's the word I can use that's going to speak culturally? And so as you think about how you live with this and mm -hmm. what you do with that, then, mm -hmm. you know, I think about passages like John 1, Philippians 2, Colossians 1 that we've already mm -hmm. talked about as these definitive kind of statements about who Christ is. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I would challenge you to figure out how, how do you phrase those in your own words? Right. And then how would you go? And basically, you don't even have to reference that you're talking about Philippians 2 in a conversation, but how do you explain to a friend who Jesus is through the lens of Philippians mm -hmm. 2 in your own words? Mm -hmm. And that's basically what John is doing that's right. here in John 1. And that's a great way to put it. It's almost like he's arming the church in his era to have a cultural conversation that is theologically correct mm. and robust. And so, you know, you could enter into any academic conversation in the first century armed with what John tells you in John 1, you know, <laughs> because now when someone's talking about the Logos, you're sitting there as a Christian going, well, hello, can I share a word about the Logos, if you will? Mm -hmm. Because it turns out it's not this impersonal force. We actually be as a person, and and you're arguing. Well, you can't. It can't because it has to be eternal. Well, turns out <laughs> we agree with that. And, uh, as a matter of fact, we think the logos is there in the very beginning with God. In fact, we think the logos was God, and then that leads to and we encountered Him. You know, that's why I think First John is a companion text to me to, to John one, mm -hmm. because in First John, John will say that, that we saw it with our own eyes. We we handled it with our hands. This is not some concept, if you will. This, the Word was made flesh, and we lived with Him, and we saw Him, we touched Him. We beheld His glory ourselves. And so um, I love the fact that, that John is, as you said, I think, Luke, arming the church with an ability to communicate the gospel in their, in their world. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think for us, it's part of our responsibility to, to do the same. What are the, what are the ways that we can phrase this truth to where people can hear it? And understand it, and and it's indigenous to us, but it's still faithful to the truths of Christianity. That's a part of our responsibility. Mm -hmm. That's it's kind of like we were talking a few weeks ago when you you use the imagery of the gospels like water, and we may put it in different containers, but we don't change the water. We don't change the essence of the meaning of the gospel. But it is on us to figure mm -hmm. out how to how, how we to carry share it. that gospel. And so, um, you know, when I think every era is different, you know. When you look at, at how it's been communicated historically, we can learn a lot from it. So sometimes symbolism and ritual can be very powerful, you know, because mm -hmm. when you when you um, pass the elements of the Lord's Supper, if there's a person that's in the in the building that day who's not a believer, there has to be some question in their mind about what what is this? You know, why why are these people taking this Eating bread something. and this juice? Part of a ceremony. Yeah, what is this? Yeah. You know. Or even when you baptize someone, what what is it that you're, what are you accomplishing? What are you symbolizing? Well, those are, it's it's like the uh, it's the reenactment, if you will, so to speak, to what's happened. You know, um, and then you you think about how there was an era where it seemed like just broadcasting everything was the way to go, and and so you you look in the I would say in the 1800s, particularly in the Western Church, in the early 1900s. In, in, in England and Scotland and ultimately in America, you start building these churches that are very pulpit-focused, if you know what I mean. you you got these powerful preachers like Charles Spurgeon and some of these great orators, 
And the next thing you know, they have these, you know, Wesley went outside. It, it, but eventually these kinds of preachers go inside and mm. you have kind of this broadcast, if you will, approach to everything mm-hmm. you do. And that, that has certainly has, has found its way into the American culture. You know, you, you can, you can, you can go to churches where they have movie seats almost, you know, where it's, it's, it's kind of like you got this, this broadcasting perspective, if you will. And, and now we've entered this more, what is it, digital or uh, narrative or incarnational or what, what is it that we're in right now? Because it's a almost question. a hodgepodge right, right. now. Where are we? We're it's in not a quite church in the round, but it's yeah, something well, different, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. What are we? We're in something now. And I think yeah. those of us who have been doing this for a while, I promise you we're paying attention because we're trying to decide. Shift. Hmm, yeah. How do you communicate this? You know, is it music? You know, for some people, music is so powerful, and that and it moves them. Um, and uh, is it is it uh, smaller communities? Is it um, you know home group where you invite people to a safer environment? It's kind of like that conversation we've been having about: Do you get everybody here and then train them in the mission, or do you actually meet them in the mission and get them engaged, and eventually they find their way here? I'm just. I, I guess what I would say is, those of us that have been doing this for a while, who are paying attention are loosening our grip on the ways that we thought you had to do it so that we can find the best ways to do it. Because I think that's exactly what John is doing. Because you could have argued with John. Think about it. If, if you and I and Katie, what if we'd all been sitting with John and John said, no, I think I'm, I think I'm right about the Largos. We could have said, dude, you don't need to do that, man. It's yeah. too late. What with, are you going to say? Man. I mean, the Greeks. The cultural overtones Yeah, you just can't just do too that. Heavy. I mean, it's yeah. too much. You just can't do it. Pick something else. Well, it turns out... We're still talking about it today. It was pretty powerful, <laughs> wasn't it? And so yeah. that's what I'm after, the yeah. conversations about how do we communicate these deep truths? Because this is a deep truth that's at the very heart of Christianity. We believe that the Son of God is the uncreated, as the Nicene Creed says, eternally begotten of the Father, um, second person of the Trinity, who is the creative agent um, for the Trinity in all of creation, who now, according to John, um, at this moment in history, not only is a part, the author, if you will, of creation, is now the instrument of recreation. Okay, well, that's... How about that? <laughs> that's, that's just theologically deep and rich. Yes. But without that, we, we just become kind of a feel-good, another option. Right. You know, I was reading an article yeah, last which... night written by a rabbi, and, and, it, and he was writing about his... He, how troubled he is with Christians who don't understand what's really going on in the world. And, uh, it, and it was on the heels of me watching um, the, the uh, I watched the retake of the, the two guys on Saturday Night Live that do the, the news now. Weekend mm-hmm. Update. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? The Michael Weekend Che update? and... Um, yeah, Michael. One the, of them's married to Scarlett Johansson, Johansson right? Colin. And you know Colin. how they, they do yes, that... I, uh, it's you my pregnancy. If you are in the comments. It's my triplet brain. Yes, that's it. Jost? Yeah. Colin Jost yeah. and Michael Che. So they get to yeah. that year-end thing where they both write jokes for each other, and yes. they don't know it. I mean, mm-hmm. in other words... They haven't you, seen them yet. Yeah, you just yeah. have to read the joke. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, Scarlett Johansson, I guess, is in this new movie, Black Widow. So the joke Michael Che writes for him is something like, have you read that now in New York you can actually buy alcohol in a movie theater? And he said... Finally, I'm going to be. I'm going to enjoy these little art projects that my wife calls movies. <laughs> and, and he kind of puts his head down, yeah. and then he goes, "Oh, I'm not done. Um, I'm sorry, honey. 
you really are good. In fact, you're a better Black Widow than Coretta Scott King, you know. And then he just puts oh, man. Like this, you know. And those are Michael J is rolling. Oh yeah, because he wrote it. But the but his was. He starts the joke off by saying, in the wake of all the conflict in the Middle East, and you can see oh Michael J going, I can't, I can't read this. And he said, I just, probably have, don't need to say says, I just have a word to say to you Jews and Muslims. Y'all need Jesus. And then he just puts his head down. And so I was thinking as I was just kind of watching that, yeah. and then right after that, I read the um, um, this, this article by this rabbi, and he just said, the problem with Christians is you just, you just don't understand that God is in all of us. He said, so for me, I'm reading the, the Torah. Let me read the Torah. It's my Bible. This is my God. And, um, and I'm okay. I don't, I don't need Jesus because Jesus was a really good prophet. And I want to give you Christians that. As Jews, we're grateful. Jesus was a Jew. He says, but to my Muslim friends, the Quran is their Bible. Leave them alone. This is their God. They're fine. They're okay. Christians, just do your thing. You're okay. You're just another option. We've chosen this option. My Muslim friends have chosen that. Mm. When I was reading that, mm. I was thinking, well, yeah. if you pull this theological truth out, well, that rabbi actually has a point, mm. you know, that there really is not anything different that we're offering that you probably couldn't find in some other religious devotion of doing good things and you know, believe in a higher power. People believe in there is a something yeah. at work in the mm -hmm. world. Sure, I, I get all that. That's why I'm, I don't know. I just felt compelled this year, and I'm I'm going to say something like that next Sunday to everybody. I don't know that I'm going to use Michael Che, and I'm not sure that would translate. Maybe not the great one, but uh, but um, but the point is, we do believe in something really different, and that mm -hmm. is what marks us, and it means we're we're swimming upstream. Well, I think too, we got to figure out how to do it. Give dignity to your friends of other religions. Absolutely. They believe something very different from you. Yes. And I think it's a very Western perspective to want to say these are all just options, but they're all ultimately about the same thing. Right. But that ultimately dishonors not just our religion, but every other Any religion. Other. <laughs> because Islam yeah. is very particular. Absolutely. Hinduism is very yes. different in what they think reality even is. Yeah. I mean, so years ago, I was in uh, New York on sabbatical when I used to do this very differently. I spent most of the summer in New York, and I was studying Redeemer Church and how they were doing all this. Mainly, I was, I was focused on how are they doing this work and um, culture kind of conversation. Keller takes the, back then, Tim Keller was alive back then, he, took, he takes the whole summer off. And so I was off, and I was up there, and I remember getting frustrated because I was visiting with one of his staff members, and I just said, well, I was hoping to get a chance to meet, you know, with Keller and at least hear him speak. And, and she said, well, you know, he takes a summer off. I said, how dare he? How, oh, oh, wait. I'm doing the same Ugh. thing. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, but um, So I was studying. Well, I had a friend of mine there who um, is the, used to be the president of New York Divinity School. And so he is very good friends with a group of uh, Jewish rabbis, reform mm. rabbis in New York City. And so he asked me, um, and there was also a correspondent for Christianity Today that's a friend of his. And so he said, what if I set up a meeting between you, this correspondent from Christianity Today, and then this group of Jewish rabbis to talk about this intersection between faith and culture? Would that be okay? I said, well, I would love that. So, but I didn't know for sure who's coming. So we go. 
uh, to this meeting when we get there. And he tells me on the way, he said, oh, by the way, I need you to know there's a, there's a chief rabbi here in Manhattan, and he has 900 synagogues that he oversees in the New York area. Wow. And he said, he's, and he, he said, he's, he said he's a hilarious guy. You're going to love him. He's from Boston. He said it's really funny because he's a Boston Red Sox fan. He said he takes so much grief here in New York City from all these Yankee rabbis. Well, now I'm nervous. I'm thinking, well, what, what am I going to say to the chief rabbi of 900 reformed synagogues? Right. You know? So we go in this room, we sit down, we make all the introductions. This rabbi, the, the, he, there's, like, there's like seven or eight of them. He says, well, before we get started, I need to ask you a question, Pastor. I said, okay. He said, here's what I want to know. Don't you wish, he said, right now, has this thought occurred to you? Don't you wish you could just tell us about Jesus and every one of us in this room would go ahead and just accept him as the Messiah today? I mean, is that thought crossed your mind? Have you even prayed that maybe you would have that opportunity to do that very thing? And I sat there and I said, well, actually, yes, um, I have had that thought. I even thought about it in the cab ride over here. What if I had an opportunity to share the message of Jesus with this group of rabbis? He said, okay, I'm going to stay then. He said, if you'd have said no, I would have left. He said, because if you don't believe in Jesus enough to try to convert me, I don't even want to have a conversation with you. Hmm. And I thought, in other words, he believes what he believes so yeah. fervently. He wanted to make sure I believed it, or he didn't think I had merit to even be in the room with him. And so we entered into this long conversation about what's going on in our culture. Well, but I felt very honored by that, mm. that he understood that's how deep this is in mm -hmm. me. And, and the reason it is, <laughs> is because of my belief in the eternal sonship of Jesus, the Son mm. of God, and the fact that he's eternal in his nature. And so the incarnation... The, the presence of the, of the human being, Jesus Christ, takes on um, immeasurable significance because of what I believe about the opening of John 1, Colossians 1, and several other passages mm. in the New Testament. And I just want to make sure our people don't just run past it too quickly. You know, that's mm. why I want to drive it home even a little more deeply next Sunday. And I know it's Christmas Eve. I get it. I know it's Sunday. It's Sunday morning, though. It's that's not good Sunday night. Sunday night's going to be a little different, but Sunday morning, it's Christmas Eve. It's, it's, it's a Sunday morning worship service. So, so come ready. We're going to yeah. do it. Yeah. I ran into, some, I ran into some people last night us, at the, um, uh, at adventure. the adventure. And Great event, was, by the way, if you didn't come. It thanks, was awesome. Thanks to all the made it happen. Um, but there was a couple who came in, and they both had hats on. And she said, if you're wondering what I'm doing, she said, I was here this morning. And she went like this. She said, it's my theology hat. I've got it on because I'm thinking about all this. I said... Good job. Yay. Yay. <laughs> so, anyway, I love that. No, I love it. I'm, I'm excited about it. Okay. So, yeah, <clears throat> the eternal son of God. It's very important. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, well thank, we could talk about a lot of things, but could. yeah, thank him, Luke. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. <laughs> this has been a wild ride of an episode. Um, so, if you managed to hang on through high school mascots, look at you, Santa Claus, go Lions, and the eternal go Saint Nick's. sonship Stingham of Christ, jacket, yellow jacket, go Jesus, Stingham yellow jackets, <laughs> L I B E R A T O R S. Okay, yay! Uh, well, thank y'all. Uh, we're counting down. Christmas is almost here, so Amen. we're doing it. Awesome. See y'all.
for listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.